to Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Okay, we're back. This is part two with Earl's Keiko, and we finished the show. We were driving back to West Hollywood. Earl, thanks for putting me on the show. And um, so we talked a little bit about you. You know, your friends encourage you to do comedy. Yeah. You started doing it. So, and a lot of people heard from comedian from LA, like, this is the worst place to start. But um, do you have any sort of suggestion if someone is trying to do comedy and they're starting in LA? Uh, yeah, if you're starting in L.A., I would say network. Uh, I mean, that's... I mean, you always want to write. Right. Uh, you know, because, uh, you know, when you progress to the next level, it, you know, it always helps to be funny. But, you know, I remember, you know, starting out with Whitney Cummins. And, you know, we'd be doing shitty outdoor patio gigs. Right. And, uh, bar gigs and I would always notice she would do her set and leave right away right while you know me and other people would go to Jerry's Deli or some diner and fuck around all night she would go home and write edit um, and you know I'm was just amazed at how fast she you know basically passed all of us uh, so she was more focused I, 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 but yes mm-hmm. That's a that's the perfect word. She was eyes on the prize. I I remember doing a few shows with her, and then I met her a couple of times, but she never remembered. Uh, I don't think anything personal. I think she's just so focused and whatnot. But um, but I mean, networking is is yeah. You know, it's she had and has uh, still the ability to walk in to a room of a hundred people and figure out within two minutes who can help her. Right. And go right up to that person and make them feel like they're the king of the world. And and I mean that in a completely complimentary way. I mean, it's... Sorry. You know, I'll go talk to the homeless guy and talk about 80s metal with him. You know, and... With that homeless person's me. They, well, that homeless person actually used to be in an 80s metal band, so... <laughs> Um, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm friends right now with a girl, another Whitney, Whitney Rice, who is the same way. Right. Uh, like, she recently did uh, four, in one day, four parody videos of Mad Max. And literally, within 24 hours, they were all edited, music, perfectly edited, while most other comics would have taken weeks. Right. To edit one, let alone all four. Is she failing you? Uh, yeah, she's been uh, in LA about three years uh, from uh, Virginia, but she's very. She reminds me a lot of Whitney Cummings. You know, just very focused, right? And very like a bull in a china shop. Uh, you know, great networker. Sure. And uh, so that's like to someone new listening to this, thinking that I want to move to LA to start comedy. Uh, you know, just get in, you know, uh, with the right people. And, sure. And that's, you know, Dean Del Rey is another guy who, you know, has... Focused. A, yeah, I mean, but he's a great networker, and, and he's, he's got that Whitney Cummings-like 
ability to walk into a room, figure out how to uh, get in with the right group of people, and he's he's working hard, working hard, and like you know, we got on Mark Maron's podcast, yeah, just by being persistent and uh, not taking uh, no initially for an answer, and uh, you know, I mean, do what you did, you know, you know, you became friendly with Russell, and and. I, I, I did, but I I got the feeling that I'm not I'm not talking about Dean and Whitney, but I think I know some people are calculating. I I didn't even know Russell was going to get that big. I didn't even know it was a comic. I mean, I met him. We were having a good time talking in Montreal, and I think about a year later, he forced me to watch his show, and like I didn't realize it was that funny. I didn't wow. know, you know. Um, we all have friends who became very successful, but a lot of them are like, you know, just. I don't know, kind of in the middle ground, you know. Right. I do think you have to have talent. You work really hard, but sometimes I do wonder how much of it, how much of it is luck, you know. I mean, you know, there's a lot of unfunny people who are successful. You know, it's. I would say it's eighty percent networking and luck, and twenty percent is being funny when you get there. Yeah. Um, I've did met a lot of funny people overseas, but they just won't have the. Uh, opportunity to live in the states and you know much less new york or la you know um but that's the thing like youtube twitter periscope i mean if you're talented enough i think you could overcome that problem and you know present your funny stuff on, on, online i guess well you have to be uh like vine there's vine celebrities you know mm-hmm. where you know i know one girl is is so big on vine that to do a vine video with her you have to give her like ten thousand dollars but who is this? Uh, I forget her name. I, I think Whitney had worked with her once. And, I see. And so Whitney did a Vine with her, and the girl posted it on her her site, and Whitney literally got thousands of likes, thousands of followers just from doing one. Right. Uh, but I don't understand. So like, they, get, they have millions of followers, right? How do they monetize that? Like ads? Well, I know on YouTube you can... Uh, I don't know about Vine, but uh, and I'm sure Periscope is the same. I know Kirk Fox is very uh, mm-hmm. proficient on uh, on Periscope, but I think it's uh, on YouTube. It's you can monetize your videos through ads, banner ads. I see. Uh, I think you can all, almost make money on tweets if they get really popular. But you know, it's uh, it's a wild west out there. You know, podcasts. You know, you can. I know. Uh, Howard Stern uh, like ripped into Ari Shafir saying there's no money in podcasts, but you, you you can make money on podcasts. I mean, it could help indirectly. Like I know podcasts with a lot of followers, and if they're comedians, they'll come to watch their shows. You know. Well, yeah, there's that. You can make money like that, but you know, if you you can sell merchandise. Yeah, like Marin's right. uh, Mark Marin's website. You know, is. I mean, I understand what Howard Stern. I mean, you can't argue with Howard. He's a smart, savvy guy. He made hundreds of millions of dollars during radio. But at the same time, I mean, Mark Maron had President Obama last Friday, and that thing aired Monday this week. And I mean, it's just you know, that's incredible. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't think Howard understands. I mean, it's hard to say someone who's made literally half a billion dollars. I don't know if he understands the the medium of podcasting. Right. I mean, obviously he knows what he's talking about, but... He's not wrong to say it, because it obviously worked for him. But, I mean, he did it 
you know, his thing, unless I misunderstood him, was you want to be big time, you know, uh, success in this business, you know, start like he did in, in a small station in Buffalo and right. work your way up, but terrestrial radio is dead, you know. Yeah, I mean, especially if you want to be radio personality, but if you're a comic, I, don't, I mean, I think radio helped, but it's not necessary. But I mean, I think Howard is like, mm-hmm. I think his point was, you know, well, you can be a 17-year-old kid in your basement and have a podcast, which is true. It's true. But, you know, Ari makes money on his podcast. Duncan Trussell, obviously, Rogan, Marin, uh, you know, and others. Adam Carolla. Oh, well, yeah. So, I don't know, uh, you know, if I can... I don't, I don't think, like... I didn't, I don't think I heard anything bad from either one of them. It just... It's just like you're going home, right? There's not one path to go home. I guess you could take a car, bus, train, walk, hitchhike. You know, as long as you get home, everyone have a different ways to get... Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, like... Of course, going driving your own car is most convenient, but I think Ari's doing extremely well. He's got one or two shows on TV, and his podcast is very popular, and... He does really well in other popular podcasts like Joe Rogan's. You know. Joey Diaz yeah. is another one that's... I mean, I think... Uh, like, I started my podcast just because... I it's wanted, a good practice, right? Oh, I love it. I yeah. mean, it's... And, you know, the first probably 20, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to uh, edit. I didn't know how to adjust the sound. Sure. Um, I mean, now I think my podcasts sound as good as anybody, sonically. Uh, you get really interesting, uh, good guests on the show. Yeah, I just pretty much ask them. Uh, yeah. You know, I tweet at them a lot. I, I see a few at the gym. I'm like, hey, you know, uh, would, you, would you ever go on my podcast? And initially, they're like, well, who the fuck are you? Right. Uh, but then once they get down there, it's it's they love it. Yeah. You know, and I mean, listen, if you're a celebrity, you, you want people to acknowledge you and, you know... You, you don't do anything for the art. You do it for the attention. Um, who can you? you I, don't, I don't. I guess I am putting you a spot, but who was some of your like three favorite guests you had on the show? Uh, it's tough because I, I think the one I'm releasing tomorrow is my seventieth one. So it, it's uh, yeah. I would say Stephen Piercy from Rat. Okay. Uh, why? why uh, he's my favorite singer. Okay. And, uh, Rat's my favorite band. Wow. So, uh... That's, that's your Obama. Yeah, that's... Uh, and by the way, I've had uh, two comics say the N-word on my podcast before uh, Obama, so... <laughs> one of them was white, so... Yeah. We keep it real on the inappropriate Earl. Yeah. Uh, but okay. it was pretty surreal to have your favorite singer on your couch. Okay, first of all, uh, okay, so we're going to talk about that person and uh, two other ones. Sure. Uh, so Stephen Piercy was, uh, took me four months to get him. Yeah. Because I'm sure uh, he was like, uh, who are you? Um, and then he was awesome. And then I would say another favorite guest was David Arquette. Oh, that's a good one. Very cool guy. Uh, you know, he used to come up to the comedy store and uh, right. still does. I just did a short film with him last weekend, and he was awesome. Uh, but I'm a big wrestling fan, pro wrestling, so yeah. a lot of people don't know this, but when he did that movie, Ready to Rumble, uh, he uh, someone actually had the idea that to put the WCW World Championship belt around his waist in real life. Right. And uh, he actually didn't want to do it, but uh, I think he was pretty much forced into 
like being the champion. Uh, and so and he was very cool. He, you know, he's got a fascinating uh, family. Uh, right. You know, Rosanna, his sister. You know, that's a very accomplished actress. Uh, Patricia, very accomplished actress. Yes. And uh, his brother, who is now his sister, uh, Alexis Arquette. You know, uh, you know, goes into the uh, whole uh, Bruce Jenner type deal. Right. Uh, you know, so he's so David Arquette, uh, the singer from the Rat, and who was the third one? Uh, it's tough. I mean, looking back, uh, boy, boy, uh, wow, it's it's uh, Tawny Katane, who uh, is a video vixen. She was uh, famous for being in all of Rat's early videos, uh, and of course, her big. Uh, Claim to fame as being in all the White Snake videos. Oh, is that the the cherry? No, no, that's Bobby Brown, who was also oh. another favorite guest of mine. But uh, Tawny was like a little bit before Bobby, and uh, you know she was so big in the White Snake videos that you know when people would see those videos, they wouldn't say, "Oh, this is the White Snake video." They'd be like, "This is the Tawny Katayan video." All right, let's talk her first. So. How does that work? How does one? Why? Why were you interested in her? Because of those beautiful. She was beautiful, and so um, not. Yeah, I mean, she's still beautiful, but I, I just thought this is a girl. You know, my podcast isn't '80s, strictly '80s. I mean, I have people who do things now in the '90s, but you know, I just love the '80s. It's, right. It's such a uh, fascinating time and, and music and entertainment comedy and uh in fact it, it's felt little more simpler times you know i mean it's kind of weird to say but it was basically us against the soviet evil empire you know it was everything was like black and white in a sense yeah and it was just fun i mean you didn't like you know although there was certainly aids you know, but it was it, we didn't really know a lot about it then, so it was just like a carefree. Sure. You know, all the videos had hot babes in them. You know, I mean, they, they kind of look ridiculous now, but you know, some of those David Lee Roth videos were just oh, out yeah. of control. You know. I mean, when they have the internet, that's why you have to watch the master rank, really. Yeah. Oh, I used to jack off to uh, VHS tapes of Soul Train. Oh yeah. I, I literally that's would. Classic. Betamax, actually, yeah. to be honest with you, I would. A beta a videotape uh, Soul Train and then I'd pause it on a girl with big tits and then just blow it out all over my parents' shag carpet. Well, I, I remember um, Steph from Fast Time Richmond High what's her name was Phoebe Cates out of the uh, swimming pool and you know Judge Reinhold was yeah we're we live in the age of uh, Blu-ray and DVD but back in those days uh, video stores will tell you like that was the spot where there's always a line because so many people go rewind that spot over and over and over and that was like archaeological kind of <laughs> reminder like yeah when we used to abuse VHS tapes oh yeah I mean uh, you know back in the late 70s and 80s you know you, you didn't have uh you know the internet. You didn't have a website like freecams.com or whatever it is. Uh, you know you didn't have like you know Pornhub and YouPorn and I you mean, find you usually find porn at the railroad track for some reason too. Yeah, in the woods uh, and in my house. Uh, I mean, I remember 
first time I saw uh, like a hustler it was like because hustler was a little dirtier yeah you know play playboy was always been classy and you know I remember hustler just you know you saw it all and uh, penthouse too was pretty dirty uh, you know the major difference when you look at the penthouse and playboy you notice that uh, when you see a centerfold pictures do you, you notice the one major difference between the two uh well you well no what um when you look at pictures from playboy the girl is looking straight at the camera whereas penthouse it looked like a voyeur is hiding in the house like spy on her because vast majority of the time the girl's not looking at directly the camera well she's probably looking at the three guys jacking off behind the <laughs> photographer but i i appreciate the classic uh appreciation and beauty of a playboy but at that penthouse was more pervertedly self-aware I thought and you know hustler too but it was more raunchy you know so I, I appreciate all three different magazines different philosophy just like different different comedy style I guess well yeah I mean I remember another magazine I, I my dad's friend brought it over once it was, I think it was called We. O-U-I. Oh, yeah, that's uh, published by Penthouse. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I used to play hockey with a guy. He was the editor of Busty Beauties, uh, or Busty, uh, yeah. like the big, like the big tit magazine, and it was uh, created by Hustler, so he yeah. took me into the Hustler offices one night after hockey, and you know, I was just amazed at how many magazines Hustler publishes, like yeah. all different genres. And uh, I walked out with a lot of free product that night. Um, before I forget, I do want to. So, all three guests that you had, uh, I do. I do want. I'm curious. How how did you go around to get them on, like her? You know, uh, with her, you? with Tony Katain. Yeah. Uh, actually, I was very lucky. Uh, she had come up to the comedy store about uh, maybe two years ago, and. Okay. Uh, my good comedy friend Dave Taylor. Oh, okay. Um, very cool guy. He has his own podcast now. It's really funny. Um, He's very tall. Very tall very and funny. A, a very dark sense of humor that I love. Um, he went after you yesterday, didn't he? No, no, he was kidding around. Like we oh. always do that whenever I, uh, I, I I had a spot at the comedy store last night. and He was on after me, yeah. and uh, you know we go on pretty late usually. Sure. So, uh, you know, sometimes when the crowd's not super packed. And I packed. think I've seen him, like, commercials and stuff. Yeah, he used to uh, do... A, he gets a lot of commercials because he's kind of a very tall, 6'6". Six, six, uh, ve- very gangly. Yeah. Uh, you know, he looks like a nerdy scientist. So he brought her. He uh, knew her. Yeah. Uh, because they had met at the comedy store about a year or two ago. And he knew that I liked uh, Rat 80s metal and, yeah. and she's kind of an iconic uh, figure from the 80s uh, world and she's right. also in the movie Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks oh now I remember what she looked like yeah so uh, you know Dave said hey do you, would you ever have Tawny on your podcast I'm like sure and so he set it up and uh, that's great she came over and uh, I actually had my ex-girlfriend Gail uh, as a co-host because I knew Gail was a fan of hers. And they kind of look alike, weirdly. Yeah. So uh, that was fun. And uh, now they're good friends. So when you interview her, uh, I know you will know a lot about her, but did you learn anything 
something that you didn't know that would kind of surprise you? No, I pretty much knew everything about her. Uh, she wow, was a super fan. Yeah, um, I, well, I'm just not... Yeah, I guess you'd say I'm a fan of hers. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's lived an amazing life. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, she dated the... Uh, the coolest thing about the interview is, uh, you know, it was about two hours. Probably the longest... Uh, one of the longer episodes of my podcast. Right. And uh, as she was getting up over my computer desk, I had a framed picture of her first boyfriend, Robin Crosby. Who was in Rat? Mm-hmm. He uh, died of AIDS. What? Um, but he was an incredibly good-looking dude. I mean, yeah. he, I, just. Let me guess from the drugs, right? Uh, well, there's. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, I think he had a bad heroin uh, addiction, and uh, that's rough. So as she's getting up to leave, she sees the picture of Robin mm-hmm. and starts to cry. She did. And I gave it to her. Uh, a great picture of uh, her holding the picture up. Yeah. And it was just kind of neat to see. You know, you think Tani Katane, she's been around the block in life. I mean, she's seen and done it all from dating Robin to OJ to the singer from Whitesnake to Chuck Finley, the baseball player. But Wait, OJ Simpson? Yeah. Oh, fuck. She's uh, lucky to be alive. So, yeah, to see, you know, a woman who's experienced that much life cry. Did, wait, did you talk to her about OJ? That's the only thing she didn't want to talk about. Wow. And uh, I respected that. She's very smart. Um, you know, I, of course that would be a great story on a podcast. Sure. Um, because I think, and I don't quote me on this, but I something along the lines of she was one of OJ's mistresses while he was married to Nicole. and I see. Uh, all that stuff. But uh, that's all I know on that. But she talked about everything else. I mean, you know, she beat, uh, you know, there's that famous story of her beating up Chuck Finley in the car with a heel. And, you know, Chuck. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I mean, she's, you know, she's a very ballsy woman. Like, you know, and there's a lot of metal fans didn't really like her in Whitesnake because, you know, like I said, she was, it got to the point where she was almost bigger than the band. I see. And I think White Snake fans were like, uh, "We like White Snake. We don't like you." Uh, so it's, uh, you know, but she couldn't have been any nicer. And, and we still talk every now and then, and she still looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know. What about Dave Arquette? How did you do that? I just asked him at the comedy store. You know, uh, he had seen me uh, go up a few times, and uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, there's a lot of pro wrestling fans at the store. Yeah. So sometimes when David would come uh, up, you know, David would literally just walk on stage and he would, he doesn't really do stand-up, he would just do more, uh... Improvisation? Spoken word, I guess you'd call it. uh, I did call reading years ago in front of Adam Sandler and him, and like, it was really nice. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, her her sister. Um, Patricia? Yeah, because she did After Hours. I love that Scorsese movie. And she was great in, of course, Pulp Fiction. Uh, yeah. So, when you were interviewing him, did you learn anything, something that you didn't know about him that surprised you or anything? No, it was kind of a similar, you know, when I have a guest on, I... I you do your homework. Well, yeah, because I want it to, uh, mm-hmm. I want it to be good, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, like, uh, when I had Bobby Brown on, uh, the Cherry Pie Girl. Man, she was... 
beautiful band. Still is. Yeah. Uh, you know, she had a book that just came out, and I read the whole thing in, you know, two days, because I wanted to be... Uh, Prepare. You know, the thing I try and do with my guests, especially guests from the 80s, is, you know, like I had, uh, you know, the guitar player from Warrant on. Wow. And, uh, you know, I take, just using him as an example, I'm sure he gets asked... Same question over and over. Yeah, how, what was it like to make the cherry pie video? Yeah. What was it like to, you know, have the cherry pie video be the video that everyone compared to Nirvana's video? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I try and do my homework, and, you know, like with him, I asked him about the band he was in before Warren, mm-hmm. and he dug it. Like, he was like, oh, wow, you, you really did your research on me. And so, because, you know, I mean, dude, you do a podcast, there's thousands of podcasts out there, and... So I, you know, trying yeah, to... Yeah, you don't want to repeat. Well, you know, It's, it's you know. like when I used to work in a porn business. Like, sometimes these girls get asked the same fucking stupid question over and over. They get tired. And they're standing all day taking pictures with people. So it's a pleasant surprise if you actually did some homework and asked them that they haven't been asked before. Yeah, like I would love to have Ron Jeremy on. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he's sick of, you know, hey, uh, you got a big dick. Uh, yeah. You know, so I would ask him, uh, you know, questions about uh, Eddie Nash. Right. Who, uh, you know, Eddie Nash is a guy I have kind of a a weird obsession with because he's. You know, I'm such a music fan, and uh, in the late '70s, early '80s, he used to own a club that sits on Santa Monica and Crescent Heights called the Starwood. And for those of you who don't know who Eddie Nash is, it, there's a scene in Boogie Night, and also um, there was a movie made about John Holmes by Val Kilmer. Um, they were the, uh, Wonderland Murder, and allegedly they stole his drugs. And um, well, I think they did. Yeah, I think most. I think I think one person survived from the beatings at the Wonderland Murder. Yeah, the, and, and uh, I remember that was prominent because when I went to high school in the you know mid to late '80s. Um, I used to run in cross country, and our coach was a pervert. He'll make us run John Holmes Memorial Run. It's the longest run of the week. You know, he'll drop us out at Renando Beach or something. We had to run back to Torrance and whatnot. So, um, yeah, we, they were talking John Holmes a lot in mid '80s. He died in what '86? Uh, I think '88. Uh, but I mean, Eddie Nash was like, uh, and if you saw Wonderland, Eric Bogosian did a great job of playing him. He's uh, a, absolutely the sinister character. And and in uh, uh, Boogie Nights, uh, Alfred Molina was, he, was uh, he, he wasn't necessarily Eddie Nash, but yeah. it was it was Eddie Nash. If you, uh, if you follow porn business, it's so obvious, you know. Yeah, uh, and he he his, he, you know, he, Eddie Nash's story was basically he was some dude from Palestine came right. out here in the fifties and. His first business was operating a hot dog cart. Right. And then just through many uh, business dealings, which a lot of people would say included cocaine. Right. He became, uh, like, the biggest club owner in the city. Right. And he didn't own just music clubs. Like, the Starwood is where Van Halen got their start. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, uh, they would play there. uh, Quiet Riot, uh, you know, started there, uh, you know, the band uh, Nikki Six was in before Motley Crue London they played there so it was like a huge it was like probably the number one music club in the city and so you were lucky because you were living in the you know not too far from Sunset I don't think you were living far and and 80s all those metal bands were oh, performing it was, there it was, I mean because in the 80s you had 
Um, you had the Gazaris, which is now, I think, Jay-Z's club, mm-hmm. uh, One Oak. Um, but in the 80s, you had the Gazaris, the Roxy, the Whiskey, uh, all within one mile of each other. Uh, and Whiskey was famous, so I think that's where Jim Morrison performed. Yeah. Did he get in trouble showing his dick or whipped something? Whipped his dick out. Yeah. But, you know, I've done that in the Whiskey. No big deal. <laughs> um, I mean, literally, the... Hence uh, Whiskey dick. Yeah, Whiskey. The Mad Comer. Uh, Gazaris, uh, the Roxy, and the Whiskey are actually like a half mile apart. Mm-hmm. And then on Santa Monica Boulevard, you had the Troubadour and the Starwood. And then, uh, you know, uh, so it's just like in the 80s, it was, was crazy. And that's when stand up was booming, too. So yeah. it's like you could literally go to the comedy store, see George Carlin, see Pryor, see Kennison and Dice in the later part of the decade, and then you can go see Guns N' Roses or Rat or Motley Crue or you know, not necessarily Van Halen because they, they, they were so big by the time the mid-80s came out. I was out. broke, illegal, isolated on Torrance, but I, I mean, I was happy to see Iron Maiden back in those days, but boy, I do regret not seeing Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue in the 80s. I mean, I think they would have been incredible. I'm sure you've seen them in the 80s. I saw Guns N' Roses in the 90s, uh, the Use Your Illusion tour. Yeah. And that's funny. My one of my good friends now uh, drums for Slash. Oh, is that right? Yeah, the great Brent Fitz, which is awesome because, you know, in the comedy world, open mics are like the shitty gigs. Right. I used to see Brent play in what was essentially music open mics. I'd go see him at this shitty dive bar Sunday nights in Eagle Rock. And wow. He would be in a, some just some god awful covers band. So you knew him before he was doing big work. Yeah, and yeah. so it's like it's, it's just kind of neat now. Like, if you uh, look up Brent Fitz uh, on like Twitter or Facebook, he posts pictures from his tour with Slash. Yeah, and he's playing in front of like forty thousand people, fifty thousand people, uh, and it's just like so neat to see someone. You know, it'd be like when I saw you open up for Russell Peters at the Wiltern. Like, I think like two nights beforehand, we had literally been at the Liquid Zoo. Yeah. Some shitty dive bar playing in front of six people. Yeah. And then I'm seeing one of my good friends play in front of 3,000 people. It is crazy when I used to work for a lot. Um, because the internet shit just made him so big. I mean, not fast because he's been doing it for a long time at that point. But I think even he was surprised. Like, what's, what the fuck is going on? You know? I mean... Um, but that's the great thing about this era... It's a great and bad thing is that anyone can be an overnight sensation. Right. But, you know, like you said, Russell had been doing comedy for 15 years before. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's hardly an overnight success. I mean, uh, so that's the good thing is, like, you know, and it goes back to what Rob Schneider told me, just become so good. Yeah. You know, they can't deny you, and that's, you know, with the advent of podcasting or like in Whitney Rice's case yeah. you know she's so proficient with videos I mean she does two three a week and that's you know she just signed with one of the biggest management companies in the world maybe the biggest one uh, because they just kept seeing her videos pop up everywhere right and you know and the bad part of that is anyone can do it like from the standpoint of you and I could you know we're doing a podcast right now in a car right but you know you and I are both funny so it's a good podcast I, you know, at least I hope people think it is but you know you, you get these shithead you know 
five minutes of fame seekers and you know they cloud the market uh, that kind of reminded me like I'm almost amazed like uh, and I think this is probably true in the entertainment and sports you know like sometimes people are really good at seeing talent in sports they're able to draft somebody in a later round sure and they turn out to be really good talent you know and like after they have success they seem obvious but sure in stand up too you know sometimes there's comedians and like I, I saw like wow that guy oh that girl's gonna be huge it just never worked out and somebody else come from nowhere I thought they were funny but like it's out of left field like they became huge you know so um, that's always been surprising to me you know well, there's no rhyme or reason in yeah. this business. It's like, I mean, there's a lot of funny people in the business. Like Don Marrero, I always say he should be making two, three, four, five million dollars a year. It's that funny to me, but I don't think he is. I'm sure he's making very good living at it, but it's always surprising me when I see a guy like that. Like, wow, you know, he's so fucking funny. Oh yeah, I mean, you he's know? a legend. Uh, but you know, just uh, you know. I, I, I know nothing about him, but, you know, it could be a bad management at one point. You know, maybe he passed on a gig. He, you know, it's like uh, whenever I do uh, Northern California with Rob Schneider, he yeah. has his best friend, uh, Larry Bubbles Brown, uh, work with us. Right. And that's a dude who is probably a top five comic that I've ever worked with. Right. Uh, and people it, don't know him. He's amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's just like... Like, I would usually host a show, and I'd have a pretty good set. Right. Usually. Not kill, but pretty good for an opener. And five minutes after Larry was on, I had felt like I bombed. Like, he was just killing. Right. Uh, and, you know, but he's just... Uh, so that's the intimidating thing for me about the business, is you see someone like that, not like whatever making it is but like someone who should be more famous than they are it's like what am I doing well it's it's kind of like you know in basketball you don't have to be 7 foot 2 to play you just have to be tall enough but you gotta it's not just about being tall you know like you have to be tall enough but you also have to ever to play and you know have leadership you know there's all this other quality that goes with I guess being star in the business I guess you know um like Russell, he's extremely funny, but he's also know his fan base, and timing was perfect for him. You know what I mean? Like, if he was coming from, you know, performing early sixties and stuff, I don't care how funny you are. He's a brown person. I don't think he's gonna have much of, uh, you know. I mean, it's tough. I mean, uh... you have to be working really hard, be funny and talented. But I think t- sometimes timing matters too. You know? Oh sure. I mean. Uh... Sometimes, like, I, I'm, I was a friend with Mitch Hepburn. He was telling me, like, I mean, Mitch is one of the greatest stand-up comic of all time. Oh, absolutely. But they didn't know what to do with him because was he an actor? I don't know about that part. Um, I think they don't know what to do with him. I mean, of course, he didn't live long enough to find out. Maybe we would have find something for him. Like, can you imagine if he had a Twitter account when he was alive? He would have killed it. All those crazy, funny one-liners. Yeah, it's like uh, Angelo Bowers, uh, mm-hmm. who uh, amazing comic. Uh, you know, he got killed in a drunk driving crash. Uh, Very sad. I mean, uh, you know, probably the nicest dude I've ever met in, in life, not just in comedy. What and, was that like? Four years ago? Uh, yeah, about three years ago, and uh, you know, just scary. And he 
what you know, he, he was almost like uh, a, a more unknown version of Mitch Hedberg, just mm-hmm. great one-liner jokes, and he was m- certainly much more than a one-liner comic, but you know, he killed it, and uh, I mean, Twitter was just made for him, but he had no social media presence. He didn't do Facebook. He didn't do right. Twitter. Uh, so it's you know, you got to be willing to put in the work, and yeah, uh, you kind of have to sell out, like. You know, I, I don't necessarily like Facebook and Twitter, but that's yeah. how I get most of the listeners from my podcast. Like, I think David Taylor's been doing more of it, but he even told me, like, you know, like Dave writes one of the best jokes ever. He's one of the greatest joke writers of all time, and obviously, he's one of the greatest stand-up comic. But he said he doesn't really tweet anything funny on it because he just wants to save for the show. But if you didn't know anything about David Taylor, just look at his Twitter account. I don't know if you think he's the great funniest guy ever, you know. Um, and there's others; they're good at writing and doing tweets. Oh yeah, I mean, it's there's uh, some of my friends are great on Twitter, but not the best comics. Yeah. And some great comics aren't good doing Twitter uh, tweets because it's hard to like, you know. On, on, the great thing I like about Twitter is it's 140 characters. It right. almost forces you to edit yourself. Sure. Um, so it's. So there's all kinds of different, you know, outlet for entertainment. Oh, yeah. There's, you know, uh, stand-up. There's podcasts. There's YouTube videos. There's acting. Acting. There's fine videos. Yeah. Uh, there's Periscope. Uh, Writing script. Yeah, I mean, right, you know, it, it's... I mean, I, I don't I don't think I... It, it's right to say I'm, I was friend with Harris Widows. Even though I met him one time, he was an extremely nice guy. But he was telling me, like, Sarah Silverman saw him once and loved his stuff, like, asked him to work for her, you know. And that was shortly after moving to L.A. But Harris was obviously a very talented guy. And uh, he was a very funny actor on Parks and Recreation. Um, I never saw him do stand-up, but I would imagine he would have been funny. But he told me he was too busy doing a lot of fucking writing for other shows. So, you know, he, he was one of those, like, he was too talented, too young. And I'm just, I was very sad when he passed away because, um, you know, drug addiction, you know. I have my own issue with being addicted, but it's addict with a cap, lowercase a, right. you know, sugar and salt. But those guys, you know, talented people with those crazy addictions, I mean, I oh, wonder yeah. sometimes what he might have done with his life. If he, you know, he was like early 30s, you know, and ready to write a bunch of movie scripts and things like that. Uh, yeah, I mean it's. Uh, it's very sad when you know that's 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 the other side of the show business that you don't hear very often. Well, I was talking with Rogan actually last night, and because uh, uh, he has a vitamin company that he promotes, and I was asking him some questions about the product, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a great podcast recently with Neil Brennan talking about depression, and it's like you wouldn't figure Neil Brennan would be depressed about anything. Yeah, so not Rogan, right? No, Rogan was talking about Neil, Neil Brennan, and Neil was talking about his issues. And right. it's like, wow, you created the Chappelle Show. What, what uh, issues would you have about being depressed? Well, but, you know when um, uh, funny that we're driving through this alley, I, I saw know. a guy fucking getting blowjob in this uh, West Hollywood. Watch this. Uh, I know. I'm just looking for a place to get my dick sucked, and I just like, oh. <laughs> There's two gay guys did it. That was. Oh, look at this chick. Oh, oh that's a god. that's a dude. Oh my god, look at those tits. Oh my god. Too bad she's got a dick. 
she must be six foot two. Six foot. I, you know, I just started dating a girl from West Hollywood. Her uh, measurements are uh, 36, 24, 36, nine and a half. <laughs> what the fuck? And we're not talking about <laughs> scale from how hot from zero to ten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, she's a ten, all right, on a scale of a hundred. Uh, Earl, I, I think we're your place. So thanks for letting me doing it, uh, doing my podcast. We have to make this short because you, you, you're a busy man. You have to go to a place. But uh, I'll uh, jump in and get my car. And uh, thanks for doing it. And, yeah, Yoshi, you're the best, man. And uh, uh, just quickly tell them where they could follow you. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, just at Earl Skakel, E A R L S K A K E L, all one word. And uh, you know, inappropriate Earl, the podcast on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. And, uh, you know, all over the city at the Comedy Store mainly. But, uh, you know, just trying to make it. All right, man. Thanks for doing it. And uh, my friend Freddie Correa is uh, happy that you did it. Uh, he loves you on the show. So uh, if you ever go to Vegas, make sure to do his podcast again and uh, follow. Um, uh, thanks for inviting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. And uh, I think I'm 15 episodes away from finishing the series. So thanks for listening, guys. And uh, thanks, Earl. Stay white. Stay white.